So instead of worrying about all the different behaviors, which might change depending on who's watching or what time of the day you catch them, if they're in a good mood or a bad mood, pay attention to how you feel. Like, are you super apprehensive about seeing this friend? Cause you know, sometimes they're quite rude to you during the interaction. Do you sit there and feel really crummy and horrible and get this pathetic feeling inside of you because of the way they've spoken to you? And I'm on the roll. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and in today's episode, I speak with neuropsychologist and author Dr. Hannah Carroll all about how we can identify toxic friends and break up with them. If you enjoy today's episode, please remember to subscribe or click follow, leave a review and share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, come join us on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore. Hello, Hannah, and welcome to the Wow Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Georgie. Thank you so much for having me. The first question I would love to know is if you could share a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a clinical new neuropsychologist. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And an author. Yeah, that's um, you are pronouncing it correctly. It's uh, neuropsychology. So a lot of people haven't heard of what this discipline is. When I say I'm a neuropsychologist, they're like, what does that mean? Uh, so it's different to your regular psych. Um, regular psychology is things like uh, maybe you do anxiety, depression, and you do the therapy where we talk to people for a really long time over several sessions. You know, you might see your psychologist for six months or a year or two years whereas neuropsych is a lot quicker a lot more sort of shorter so we would see someone for a couple of sessions and we just diagnose different parts of their brain and what's going well with those parts of their brain and what's not going so well so we use pen and paper tests so like IQ testing to figure out what parts of the brain work and what parts of the brain don't work um, so that's something that I've um, I've always been fascinated with you know, brain science ever since I was an undergrad doing, you know, psychology in undergrad. And there's probably a lot of um, undergrad psychologists, psychology students listening to this podcast because it's so great with mental health and talking about like, you know, the science of health as well. You do that so well, Georgie. So hello to all the psych students out there. Um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> so it's a very long journey doing psychology it takes many, many years, but I just followed my passion. Like I love brain science. I love neuroscience. I love how weird it is that some parts of your brain can stop working and you can present in a really unusual fashion because of that. And I find that really fascinating. Um, and then how I became an author was because I started writing one day and I was just writing about my own experiences in life and the things that I wish that I'd heard, the things I needed to hear, like, you know, pull your socks up, Hannah, respect yourself, set some boundaries. Um, so that kind of after about nine months of writing, that turned into quite a lengthy document and I sent it off to be um, submitted for publication in a few different publishers around Australia and it got accepted at Ventura so that's why I'm here today. 
Yes, well, congratulations. Hannah's book that has recently been released is called How to Break Up with Friends, which is very fitting because I feel like as we enter our 20s, it's a really interesting time when it comes to our friendships because we are ebbing and flowing, moving into new groups, moving out of old groups. And I guess friendships are one of those things that you find really good ones and sometimes they will stay with you for life and you sometimes maybe don't find some great ones and they can end up being a little bit toxic and maybe not so healthy and we need to find ways to set boundaries and break up with those friends that aren't I guess giving us value anymore so I'm really excited to get into the nitty-gritty with this um, all about this today with you so diving in straight up, the first question I want to ask you, Hannah, is how would you define a toxic friendship? Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. It's so it can be so complicated, Georgie, and and so nuanced and particular to your circumstances you could literally write a book about it and I did <laughs> so there are it's quite lengthy just going into what is a toxic friend um, some of these behaviors are really obvious they're really uh, they're really overt they're clearly bullying behaviors um, they're ca- the kind of behaviors I say they're so obvious they slap you in the face like a wet fish you know they're, they're clearly bullying you they're swearing at you they take money they don't return it those really obvious behaviors um, where it's tricky is when the behaviors aren't obvious. And if you kind of think of it like a spectrum where it's like really overt and audacious behavior all the way down to the other end of the spectrum of subtle and covert and sneaky and manipulative. And we don't even know that it's happening necessarily until hours later when you're standing in the shower and you're having that imaginary conversation in your own head and you're going, hang on a minute, <laughs> you know, did they actually say that to me? Did she really just make that, you know, assertion about me? Or did she, was that really the way she reacted to my opinion? Um, so I like to say, because there's so many different types of behaviors, and we do this analysis in the book, we'll really go through in detail what the behavior might be for you specifically in your friendship so you can figure it out. But a general rule of thumb is to go back to the feeling. So if you walk into a situation during a situation or after you walk away from that interaction with the friend, if you're feeling worse than before the interaction, then that's a pretty good sign that something's not right and that friend may be toxic for you. So instead of worrying about all the different behaviours which might change depending on who's watching or what time of the day you catch them, if they're in a good mood or a bad mood, pay attention to how you feel. Like are you super apprehensive about seeing this friend because you know sometimes they're quite rude to you during the interaction do you sit there and feel really crummy and horrible and get this pathetic feeling inside of you because of the way they've spoken to you and then after the interaction do you walk away feeling drained and exhausted Mm -hmm. and used Mm -hmm. and taken for granted and just you know that that sagging feeling in your heart where it feels like your heart is like deflated in your chest if you feel that way Mm -hmm. when you walk away that's a pretty good signpost that something So what are your top three red flags to look out for in a friend that you might think is toxic then? Mm, um, So I think the big, 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 big one is society slipped into this um, kind of toxic mentality that friendship is all about giving and not receiving, which is beautiful. That's like such a beautiful thing, Georgie, right? Isn't it nice to be a friend who gives and gives and gives and expects nothing in return? 
like that's super altruistic and altruism means giving and expecting nothing in return. That's very kind, but it's setting you up for burnout and it's setting you up for being taken for granted. So my first red flag is if you have this expectation in friendships that it's all about giving and never expecting anything in return, then you're kind of setting yourself up for all your future relationships to be ones that are very imbalanced. So there are reasonable expectations you can have on friends. You can expect them to treat you like a friend. They should be trusting. They should be supportive. They should be respectful. They should be affectionate. And we go through all the case studies of this in the book. Um, you, it's okay for you to expect something from your friend. You expect them to behave like a friend. So you need to assess within yourself, what is your own understanding of friendship and do you think it's okay to expect things from your friends? Like I'm not saying you expect them to buy you a yacht. I'm saying you expect the basics of a person to treat you with courteousness, you know, with, with politeness, with respect, like those are basic, basic necessities in a friendship. So if you're not getting that, there's something wrong there. Um, so the second thing kind of goes hand in hand with the first one, which is, are they actually reciprocating? (laughs) So number one, do you expect to get something? And number two, are they giving it to you? Because, yeah, you might expect it and you might know in your heart this is totally one-sided. The second thing is we'll, we'll recognize that, you know, recognize they're not giving you what you need in a relationship. Um, so are they actually there for you? Are they keeping up to date with your life? Are they reciprocating, coming to the important events in your life? Are they reciprocating in levels of support? And if you're not getting anything from them, or if you're only getting things from them when they need something, like they're the kind of friend who only calls when they need something, or you only hear from them, you know, when they're single again, <laughs> they want a, a buddy to go out yeah. dancing with, um, then then that can be a pretty that can be a pretty big red sign, a red flag for you. Um, and I think because you asked me for three, I'll give you one more. Um, it's just again to go back to the feeling and understand that if you're feeling crummy and if you're feeling crappy after your interaction with this person, don't, don't belittle that feeling. Don't, don't feel like it's invalid or that it's not real because we know with the literature, with science, and often as a neuropsychologist and a neuroscientist, I find sometimes people need to hear this. Your emotional pain is just as legitimate as any physical pain. So if you like, Mm. you know, if, if I like, kicked you in the shin Georgie not that I ever would but if I kicked you in the shin (laughs) everyone would be like oh my god can you believe Hannah did that that's awful Georgie your poor leg we would you would have a bruise or a broken leg Mm. and everyone would acknowledge it to be the legitimate and real pain that it is but with emotional pain we have this terrible stigma in society that emotional pain is somehow illegitimate or not real, but your brain processes it in exactly the same spot as it processes physical pain. So it's as real to you as if I kicked you in the shin. So what you're, what you're experiencing, that's real and it's valid and it bloody hurts sometimes. So, you know, don't sweep it under the carpet and pretend that it's not happening because it does take a toll on your health over the long term. And it's real. It's so real. And it's okay to acknowledge that. Mm. I think it can be really hard as well with the ideals around and I guess society's pressure around friendships. Like, you know, 
everyone is posting about their best friend on Instagram and in their stories. So it's almost like you want it to be okay. You want that friendship to work. So you want to push down those emotions when you can feel them bubbling up. But like you mentioned, I think they're one of the biggest telltale signs of maybe they're not the right person for you. Um, I want to know, it can often be hard to realize a toxic friendship when you're so caught up in it it's almost like in the heat of your in the heat of the moment your brain's just not working everyone on the outside can see what's going on and knows that person is maybe not the best person for you but for some reason when you're in the middle of it it's just like you know you cannot tell and you cannot see those signs and it's really hard to pick up um so why is that why does the female brain work that way Oh, not just female brain, but all brains. You're totally right. We get a little bit blind to it's it remind in the book I talk about, you know, how you get in the horrible date cycle when you have a, a crummy boyfriend, for example, and everyone's like, Girl, what are you doing? You need to get out of that relationship. And we stay in it anyway because we sort of feel afraid. Oh, I might never find someone I love again. Um, we can also have a horrible mate cycle, so a horrible friend cycle where we don't see it. And in those cases, you know, you've heard the term intervention, you need an interfriendship. So, um, you know, there's lots of different reasons why this can happen. And on a neurobiological level, we could talk about brain pathways and we can talk about neurons that fire together, wire together, which is basically like your brain is very neuroplastic. It's very lazy. So it wants to form familiar networks. Um, and if you have a well-trodden path in your brain, which is that I understand this person, I understand the way they make me feel, I understand what happens in the interaction. And even though it makes me feel crummy, I totally understand it. I know what I'm going to get. Um, I It's predictable. It's familiar. It's my pattern. Then it is kind of hard to step out of those patterns and form new pathways in your brain. Um, so familiarity, your brain wants familiarity. Your brain wants the same stuff over and over. Um, where it's tricky is, is us breaking into a new pathway of I'm not doing that to myself anymore. Um so the other the other part of it is the society. So there's a neurobiological side, which is your brain loving familiarity, and then there's a societal side, which has forced us into this belief that, you know, I I'm terrified of having no friends, or this idea that I don't have enough friends, and so you know, this fear of not having enough friends can often be the reason we, we stay tied to toxic friends. Um, so in the book, I go through all the different mentalities of why you might be staying friends with someone who treats you badly. And I think one of the big ones is that we are afraid of having no friends. So, you know, you think, oh, I don't have that many friends. So if I get rid of Karen, who's, who tells me to shut up every time I see her, then I'll have no friends at all. She's like one of my only friends. Um, so we end up keeping these people around. But actually what we need to realize is that if you untie yourself from that toxic person, you're making the space, the time and the energy for that to be filled with someone else or something else that is actually good for you. And a lot of people don't realize the emotional, neurobiological, physiological costs associated with hanging out with a toxic friend. So people might think it's not a big deal. I only see her every now and then and she makes me feel a bit crummy, but I might as well just keep her as a friend. Well, the research is actually telling us that has that takes a toll on your cardiovascular health, your brain health, your physical health, and it has all sorts of repercussions for you down the long run. Um, so it, it costs us more than we realize. 
that's so interesting. So would you, what in your opinion, what's better, having, you know, 20 shit friends or one really good friend? <laughs> well, I mean, what the literature said, I can't speak for every person out there as to what you're going to love more, Georgie, but what I can tell you is, well, this is what the literature tells us. If a strained friendship, so this is just friendship, it's not family, it's not partners, it's not work colleagues, it's just friendship it's associated with over time with greater cardiovascular illness, chronic health illness, the effects on par with obesity and smoking on your health, and it can actually shorten your lifespan. Whereas good friends was associated with lengthening your lifespan, um, staving off things like dementia, more success in life, more academic, financial success, and just general feel higher rates of oxytocin, endorphins, and the happy the happy hormones. Um, so I guess the question is, do you feel that, <laughs> you know, and do you feel it's, it's worth having that one good friend? And I will tell you what the literature is pointing to is those positive effects of friendship was not based on the quantity of friends that you had so it wasn't about how many friends people had when they got into old age it was about the quality of those friendships so one really good friend is worth his weight in gold compared to oodles and oodles of mediocre friends who make you sometimes feel kind of crappy about yourself that's so fascinating I've got a couple of listener questions for you now and the first one is from Sophia and she wants to know is there a difference between a toxic friend and a friend who is just shocking at communicating with you and doesn't make an effort to catch up? Like when do you know to pull the pin? Everybody's different, aren't they? And we sometimes go into friendships with expectations based on how good we are at interacting in friendships. So if you're really, really good at, um, you know, being there for your bud, remembering their birthday, uh, doing special things for them, celebrating the good times, um, commiserating the, the tough times, it can be a little bit of a, a a bitter pill to swallow when they forget your birthday and when they are super disorganized and forget that you've, you know, you've recently broken up with your boyfriend or that you called them or text them and they haven't responded yet. Um, so yeah, there, there is, there is a little, it's a great question from Sophia. There is a bit of a difference when it comes to, um, toxic behavior. So we have to give a little bit of leeway to people as we would hope for ourselves. Like if you're having a tough time at uni at work and you're busy, then obviously it's going to be a lot harder for you to remember to call back your mate. We all go through those periods. It's when it, again, we go back to that spectrum of behavior where it's like the intention behind the behavior. You can put it on a spectrum. What's the intention? So is it that it was like an accidental, benign, they love you to bits, they never want to hurt you, all the way down the other end of the spectrum that they really wanted to inflict some pain. It was malicious. They did it on purpose. So there's a bit of a spectrum there. And that's, again, you know, you need to kind of use your judgment. And in the book, we go through in detail, what is the behavior? When does the behavior occur? How, where is it on that spectrum to help you kind of figure that out? Um, but if you, in your heart of hearts, in your heart of hearts, I think, you know, you know, I know, Sophia, we, we know in our heart whether that person is doing that behavior in a kind of malicious way. Like when you said to me, shut up, I, I felt it in my heart that you you had no respect for me and that it, and it was really hurtful versus when you didn't reply to my text and, and you forgot 
my birthday, I knew in my heart deep down you were really devastated that that happened and you didn't mean it to happen. You you know that in your heart. Um, so I guess when it comes to pulling the pin is just about how long has the behavior been going on for and when is it slipping over into being more inconsiderate? You know, if, if this person has forgotten your birthday over and over and over, if they're not coming to your events, if they're not giving you that support because they're a bit of a scatterbrain and then you've raised it with them and you've communicated with them, it's really important, please don't forget this particular event. And yet they keep doing that because they're not putting the effort into remembering the important things and not pulling their socks up, then yeah, we need to start to think about, okay, am I maybe needing to readjust the effort, time and money that I'm putting into this relationship as well? Um, it's a tough one. So yeah, I suppose it's an internal journey. You know, if you, when you go through the book, this is something that you're going to start to formulate within your own mind as to what's right for you with that particular friend. The second question is from Isabel and she would like to know how, how would you recommend standing up for yourself and not being a pushover when the friend is manipulating you? Ah, yes. That, that is <laughs> such a great question. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is something I'm really passionate about. It's The word is, and I, I can already feel everyone's going to cringe when I say this and they're going to roll their eyes, assertiveness. <laughs> so it comes down to boundary setting and it comes down to assertiveness. Now that's a journey again in itself and I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I've, I've actually made an app called Assert Yourself. I think what we're tapping into in that question is this all or nothing mentality. And that's a, that's a term psychologists use when people sort of swing like a pendulum, you know, a pendulum swinging back and forth. We swing between this idea that if I do anything, it's going to result in this intense confrontation bomb. I'm going to detonate this bomb of awkwardness and it's going to be really awful and it's going to get worse. So I do nothing. So we swing back to I do nothing because I don't want to make it worse. But actually there's a really nice middle ground there between ultimate confrontation, super awkward and doing nothing. There is a middle ground in there. And the middle ground is you becoming comfortable and learning how to speak your truth. Say your truth out loud, not just think it in your head, but it actually comes out out of your mouth and you actually say the words, the words like, please don't speak to me like that. Please don't tell me to shut up. Please don't waste my time like that again. And, or I've asked you not to speak to me like that and you've just done it again. I've asked you not to swear at me and you've just done it again. I'm going to go now because I'm not comfortable we can discuss this later. And I think, you know, they sound so simple when I say them, like right now, people probably sitting there going, oh yeah, why didn't I just say that? But it's hard to remember to say that in the moment. And, you know, it's not something that we're practiced at doing. So you sort of have to start to learn how to practice doing these things. And in the book, we talk about how to prepare ahead of time for what you think the behavior is going to be. You can predict what you think the, the toxic behavior will be. And so you can also predict what the sentence is going to be to meet that behavior when it happens and practice saying it over and over and over again. So when you're in the heat of the moment, you will actually say those words. The best predict predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if you practice saying these assertive words out loud, you're more likely to say them in the moment. And it's not going to detonate a confrontation bomb. It's about integrity and respect. So you always think of that word integrity. 
me saying, please don't speak to me that way is not confrontational. It's not causing a fight. It's just you having integrity and self-respect and saying out loud what's okay and what's not okay. And that's all right. Moving into the really nitty gritty stuff, Hannah, I really want to know, how do you recommend breaking up with a friend? (laughs) Well, it's the big question, isn't it? It's literally the title of the book, How to Break Up with Friends. Um, Now, you know, it's like number one, I'll say, don't do anything in the heat of the moment. You know, that I think that's the golden rule, right? Like if you're five cocktails down and, you know, Karen, Karen has just accused you of wearing the same dress again twice or, or told you to shut up or, you know, said something really rude about you in the company of some very attractive men or something like that, <laughs> you know, it, it, we can often we can often kind of, again, swing like a pendulum. When you learn assertiveness skills, you flick from not saying anything to suddenly reacting really incredibly full on. We want to slow it down a little bit. It's about, again, that word integrity. It's a measured, considered approach that we don't do in the heat of the moment. We don't want to give up on friends who can possibly change their behavior if we correctly communicate to them what they're doing wrong. Um, And sometimes friends have had beautiful stories of when a friend has been properly communicated with, they have lifted their game and changed and that friendship has gone on to flourish. So when you read through the book, you, you really nut out why, what's going on for you, what might be going on for, for them. We do lots of questionnaires in the book to figure it out, including jealousy questionnaires, things like that. And then you get to a point where you might give them a time frame to change. And then if nothing, nothing changes, then yeah, you have two options. You know, in the book, I give you lots of different options. And, and the primary ones are either pulling back the time, effort and money that you're putting into the relationship. So you just readjust your effort levels. No conversation required, just readjust those effort levels. So, you know, if they're putting in barely any time, effort and money, you put in the same level of time, effort and money. So maybe that's a drink every six months, but not flying to the Bahamas for their surprise wedding. <laughs> you know, um, The other option is if it's really, if it's a friend who just won't stop and they keep pushing you and they keep demanding things of you sometimes it demands an explicit conversation where you actually say to this person I can no longer do these things uh and you know that is a decision that you need to come to within yourself as to what's right for you and the context of your relationship with this person am I going to continue to see them because they're they're friends with my mutual friends maybe they're part of your family maybe it's your sister-in-law maybe they work in the same workplace as you and maybe they're likely to be on the the next interview panel for your next job you know you we talk about this in the book reassessing what is my ongoing relationship with this person so what's the most appropriate thing for me to do uh, a kind of pulling back of my effort levels or a more explicit message to them. And that message, again, is always with integrity and respect. So we're never, we're never getting down and dirty and slinging mud. We're never, we're not, it's not about going, you did this and then you did this and you did this. It's not about naming their behavior and shaming their behavior. It's about us saying, I'm taking ownership over my behavior and I can no longer put the time, effort and money into this relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So could you give maybe two different examples of what you could say to break up with a friend. 
Sure, sure. So um, in the book, I give lots of little templates and they go down in the level of explicitness. So sometimes we need a a little bit of a lighter touch and you need a few white lies because you don't feel comfortable all the way down to really explicit saying, I can no longer be in this friendship. So for example, like a sentence that I, I love is saying, you know, because of my mental health, I can no longer put the time and energy into this friendship that it requires, you know, and, um, and I wish you all the best and thank you for understanding, you know, a really short and sweet, you know, because of my mental health, I can no longer put the time and effort into this relationship. And when you, when you say to a person, because of my mental health, without going into the nitty gritty detail of why, without slinging mud and airing dirty laundry, people tend to respect the words mental health. And you're not blaming them. You're not putting it on them. You're keeping it quite respectful by saying, because of my mental health, which is a reason no one can argue with you about because no one knows your mental health. Only you know your mental health. Because of my mental health, I'm going to do X now. Um, so having a sentence like that is quite strong. And I'm a big advocate for text. <laughs> I think text message is a great way of handling tricky, tricky relationships. And that's kind of controversial. I know some people say, you know, you need to honor the person by doing it in person, or you need to honor them by having a conversation over the phone. You can decide what you feel is appropriate. But for me, I think that, um, by doing things in writing, you give yourself the time you need to carefully write it in a way that works for you. You give them the respect and space and the privacy to read that message by themselves and formulate their own reply back to you. And there's much less likelihood that something unexpected is going to happen. So when you spring a breakup on someone, you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what their reaction is going to be. And if they're the type of person who might start, you know, getting a little confrontational and saying some heated things to you, then you may feel it's best to have that time and space and you can own it as well. You can say, I'm sorry, I wasn't able to say this in person to you because of my mental health. I wasn't in a place where I could say this face to face. Thank you for understanding. So just own it. You know, if you need to do it by text, just own that. And lastly, Hannah, I want to know what are some of your tips to navigating the guilt and sadness around ending a friendship? Because Although they might be toxic, it can also be very hard to let that person go. You can feel really guilty about cutting them off at the end of the day. So, yeah, what are your tips surrounding that? Oh, my gosh. You've hit the nail on the head, Georgie. It's such a big part. And in the book, I actually have like a whole chapter on acknowledging the hurt of being in a friendship and also acknowledging another section that's all about acknowledging when we feel guilty or we we feel worried about the friend's mental health and and they're that friend that we're constantly helping you know to one in the morning even though we have to get up at 8 a.m um and it's taking its toll on us and we feel guilty for not being there to help them and then we feel guilty for saying i can no longer be in this relationship anymore so big part of that is to acknowledge that, yeah, it sucks. It does suck. It's not about waving a magic wand and that it's not going to suck. It sucks. Uh, and that that's okay. That's okay that it hurts and that it sucks. Um, so 
you know, a big part of this friendship revolution is trying to push the idea that it's okay to put your mental health first. It's okay for you to put your mental health first. And initially, sometimes putting your mental health first and cutting off people who treat you poorly, initially with behavioral modification, we know this for a fact, any behavior is going to feel worse initially before it it goes over this like spike in crappiness before it pans out and gets better you know think of like super nanny have did you ever watch super nanny where she's like teaching the little kids how to be good again and the behaviors and the tantrums always get a little worse and then all of a sudden they get better again so there's always this like kind of breakthrough window where you need to get through the crappy part and we know that you know breakups is it has a physiological effect on your body which is well recognized with um, romantic breakups but not so well recognized with friend breakups breakups so you know when you break up with a boy you know you can literally take Panadol because you need the analgesic effect on your neurotransmitters and on your body because of all the stress hormones flying around your body so physically you might feel crappy and you may need to take a Panadol and you may need to do some self-care stuff you know go and meditate and journal and do whatever refills your cup but I think the really important thing to just acknowledge is yes it, it will probably feel crummy and it will probably hurt. And I would be remiss if I said to you, it's not going to hurt and you're going to be fine and everything's going to be great. <laughs> you know, it probably will be great in the long run, but yeah, it'll probably hurt as well. And that's part of the journey. Every time you feel, you know, some kind of pain because you've got, because you've cut off something that's bad for you, that pain is representing you growing. That pain is representing you changing. And the value that you place on yourself is the value that others are going to place on you too. So getting to a point where you value yourself and you think of yourself highly enough to deserve good friendship, that's kind of a painful journey to get there. But once you get there, you look back on all those years in your 20s and go, I'm so glad I'm here now. (laughs) Mm. So then could you recommend three reasons why it's important to have healthy friendships? Oh, yeah. So, oh, so many. There's literally a chapter in the book that's all about, you know, good friends do. And that's all of the the amazing things that good friends do for us, where I go through the science of like all the amazing things that friends are associate, good friends are associated with, which includes things like staving off dementia, you know, not being lonely has been associated with us not being less likely to get dementia. Um, it improves your academic success. It improves your financial success. It actually improves the parts of your brain that release oxygen oxytocin and bonding hormones. So when you're friendly with someone, it means your ability to make more friends and more meaningful bonds actually gets better as well. And friends make friends make friends. Um, So you're kind of like starting the ball rolling a little bit, you know, the little snowball on the top of the mountain and you just dink and you flick it off and it starts rolling and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I think, you know, it's so underrated the power of happiness on our neurobiological health. If you're happy and you feel good, everything flows from that. So being around, even if it's just one person, it doesn't have to be heaps and oodles of people. And we know the literature tells us your brain is only really wired to have a certain number of very, very close friends anyway. Um, even if it's only a couple of people, one person, the positive effects on your body have been shown to last for days and months after you've seen this person. So, you know, like I could talk for days on why it's important to have good friends. Um, But the most important thing is that you recognize 
you don't need oodles of them. You just need a few true friends to reap those benefits. Mm. And do you have a motto or quote when it comes to picking a good friend that you live by? Oh my gosh, I have so many. (laughs) Uh, Let me see. What would be my favorite motto? I mean, there's longevity doesn't equal quality. There's um, a few true friends equal good friends. Um, There's, I just, I love, I can't go past this one. The, The quality that you place on yourself is the quality that you'll attract in others or the value that you place on yourself is the value that you'll attract from others. And that has just, in this journey of learning about friendship and the science of friendship, it it really has just been the thing that's echoed every aspect of the literature. What you settle for is what you're probably going to get. So it's okay for you to put yourself first for a change and it's okay for you to say, I'm no longer going to settle for friends who treat me poorly. I'm going to recognize that I am a good friend. I'm a really good friend. And that's precious and that can be rare. So cherish that within yourself and and bestow it on people who deserve it because you're you are a valuable per- person to have those qualities. So if you if you give good friendship, expect good friendship in return and don't settle for less than you deserve. That is fantastic advice and a great way to lead into my final question, which is how can we follow you, Hannah, and where can we get our hands on your book, How to Break Up with Friends? Thanks, Georgie. Uh, so we have a cool little community growing on my Instagram. It's called No Bull Psych. Um, so that's a great place to come and join us and have a chat about, you know, your experiences. Um, I'm on Facebook as Dr. Hannah Coral. And my book is is at all good bookshops at the moment. So Big W, Dimmix, all good bookshops have it. You can also get it online at, um, you know, Book Depository and Booktopia, all of those online stores, Amazon have it. But if you're like me and you love listening, it's actually on Audible as well. So you can just listen your way into good friendship. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll pop all the links um, in the show notes below to Hannah's Instagram, Facebook page and um, to purchase the book online. But lastly, just thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on here and chatting to us today about breaking up with friends. It is a tough situation to navigate, but I feel like your advice and wisdom will lead us all on to better friends, hopefully. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Georgie. And it's a, the WOW podcast is an amazing, amazing place for us to get incredible information from a lot of really strong women like yourself and all the amazing women that you interview. So I think if anyone is curious about personal development and continuing to grow and improvement over time you know i can't stress enough keep listening to the wow podcast and show your support by subscribing and leaving a lovely review oh so kind of you thanks anna (laughs) thank you so much for listening to the wow i hope you enjoyed today's episode i'll be releasing new episodes every tuesday so make sure you click subscribe or follow and tune in next week otherwise come follow us on instagram at the wow podcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a professional first. Thanks guys, have a good week. Hello.